was driving home last night and I realized while I was on the freeway almost home, I'd been driving for like 10 minutes on the freeway that my headlights were totally out, both of them. So I became that person. I always talk about that, how the, the thing I'm more terrified of than anything in the world is someone who drives around at night without their headlights on. Talked about it a lot on here, that phantom just floating. I told the story about my friend and I took a trip to Canada, mountains of Canada, and we were just, it was a, you know, a busy highway resort town where my friend's family had a cabin and how there was this car, it was getting dark, it, it was dark. Getting dark. It was dark, and uh, you know you you could see everybody's headlights behind you if you look behind you or in the rearview mirror, and how there was this one car with its headlights off just weaving between traffic, like weaving like a normal, what we call a normal weave. I'd call it a normal weave. It wasn't like they were erratically just changing lanes and swerving around, but they might as well have been. Like the fact that their headlights were off made it an abnormal weave it became an abnormal weave because they had their headlights off but the only reason we knew they existed was because you would just see the headlights behind you get blocked out occasionally every time they would go to a different lane you would just suddenly see them block out headlights but they had no headlights so it was just like it was an eclipse it was an abnormal weave and it was an eclipse because they would eclipse the other headlights. That's the only reason we knew they even existed. That was me last night and I didn't even know it. And uh, it, it did seem kind of dim, but I guess it, it made me realize how bright highways actually are. It made me realize like street lights and stuff actually are way more effective than I ever realized. Like I've always looked at street lights and thought like, hey, they're pointless. They're just pointless. But no, they actually light up the street quite a bit. Like, I was able to drive fine without even realizing my headlights were off for a while. Like, it, like I said, it did seem a bit dim. You know, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. But it wasn't until, like, I hit the dark streets. Because I live in an area, like, my, my neighborhood's very dark. Lots of trees. And then I realized, like, oh, this is incredibly dangerous. My rear lights were fine. My little yellow lights, the, like the lights that go, those little like yellow lights that go under your headlights, like those were fine too. But, uh, but then I, you know, years ago when I, when I still drove my Honda, my Hondi, when I still drove my Hondi, I uh, changed one of my headlights. Amazing, amazing feat changing your headlight, but I, I changed one of my headlights and it was really easy. I remember going, I'm just going to change one of my headlights. It seems like one of the easier things you can do as a guy who doesn't know how to do any kind of car maintenance. I was just like, I, I should really try changing one of my own headlights. And it was so easy. Like the whole thing is you don't touch the bulb. That's what they tell you. If you touch the bulb, your headlight will explode or, or apparently like human the oils from human skin is too much for a car headlight. But other than that, I remember it being really easy. I remember thinking like, oh, I'll do this every time my headlights go out, which is, you know, rare. They usually last a long time. But this time I was like, well, I don't really have time to take my car in or, you know, it, it seemed easy. 
But today I, I bought new bulbs and I drive a Kia ever since my Hondi got totaled. I've been driving this Kia, which is kind of similar to my Honda, but it's a Kia. And uh, I went to go change it. Like, and, and I, I watched this tutorial and they made it look like the easiest thing in the world. They were like, you just unscrew the cap, undo the spring and put it in. I watched multiple online tutorials and it looked like the easiest thing in the world. What I forget is how much finesse you need, like how much shit is in your way. In order to do some, the simplest thing, like change a headlight, everything is in your way. And so you have to be very careful with your fingers. You have to, you have to be very coordinated. You have to position your body just right. You need like the, to put the flashlight somewhere. It, it was so incredibly difficult, I couldn't do it. And that's fine. Like I would, Okay, because my brights were working. But then I, I couldn't, there's this little like piece of metal that holds the, just it holds everything in place. And I just could not get that back on right. And it's like, you have to be, you have to be reaching in this really hard to reach part of the car while like doing different things with each finger just to get this thing back in place. And so I was about to give up on it and, and just be like, okay, whatever. But then... This screw fell out. Screw fell out. Screw fell out. And it, I don't know where it went. Like, I didn't hear a tink, tink, tink. Like, when a screw falls, you usually hear it. Like, when a screw falls in a forest, you usually hear it. But I didn't, I didn't hear it go anywhere. But I could not find it. Like, I still can't find it. And then that makes me incredibly paranoid. Like, one, I'm already paranoid now that, like, the... The thing that you plug the new bulb into isn't fully secured right now. And then on top of that, this screw fell out and I don't know where it is. And I'm just so worried. I'm so worried. Like, I'm like, is that not that that screw is going to cause anything to fall apart, but it's, it's, I don't want a screw bouncing around in my engine, but it just makes me realize like, I, like they make it so hard. They make it so hard to, you know, you, these screws fall out and I, I just could not find it. And so like, I'm going to have, I, I'm going to have to take the car in, but I, I'm working like more hours than I've ever worked in my life. I work, I think, I think in the last week I've worked like 53 hours. I like it. I like, the truth is I'm a workaholic. Like when I'm committed to something, I'm, I'm an absolute workaholic, but it's just normal life stuff, but still, I'm just like, I'm going to have to, you just realize how, how limited you are. It's just, your headlights go out. You can't drive at night now. Like if you go out at night, you become that phantom ghost ship floating around the highway. Like I was last night. You become that person really quickly. It's it's like any kind of downward spiral almost. I don't want to call it that, but it is kind of like any downward spiral where like sometimes people are shocked by how quickly a person's life can turn upside down. And it's kind of what it is when your headlights go out. It's like your headlights go out and all of a sudden you can't drive at night. All of a sudden, if you do drive at night, you're that phantom ghost ship weaving, doing an abnormal weave around the highway. But, uh, I don't know. One of the reasons I haven't been doing episodes is one, like just, I work 10 hours a day now. I, you know, I, 
I've only ever done 40 hour work weeks. I've only ever done like pretty standard 40 hour work weeks and like once in a blue moon when something really big is going on you might have overtime but they usually discourage it but now I'm at a job where like every paycheck is like 10 12 hours of overtime easily and it's mandatory like because I got uh and I mean one of the reasons I'm not doing episodes is one the hours but also uh all I all I have to talk about now is work like, I've always been a person where I never talk about work. Jobs I've had in the past, like, I never talk about them when I'm at them. I might talk about a job after I've left it, but I've never been that person who goes home and talks about work or talks to my friends about work. Now all I want to do is talk about work. I love talking about work. I think all I think about now is work. And I like it. But I guess just to fill anybody in who's, who's still paying attention, uh, yeah, I started this new job at the beginning of February, and then a week and a half ago, I got promoted to store manager, which is, I love it. I, I love I love being manager. I've been a manager or supervisor before, but I'm new to retail, I'm new to sales, and now I'm running an entire store, and I love doing it. Because what happened was... Uh, you know, I got hired to be an administrative assistant, which is something that's in my wheelhouse, as they say. And, and uh, yeah, it was like dealing with some of the more technical behind-the-scenes stuff at this furniture bit company slash liquidation outlet. The furniture is not liquidated. The furniture is brand-new furniture, but it's sold at, at a discount. But then the, the other half of the store is a liquidation outlet with everything. The owner buys, you know, liquidated materials of all kinds. And so I was an administrative assistant, just kind of doing computer work, doing a little of everything. But they had hired this guy to be the manager of the store who had experience in furniture sales and stuff. And from the moment I shook his hand, I knew he was on drugs. He had a... I thought he was 50 years old, but it turns out he's only a couple years older than me. Maybe people like, think I'm 50. <laughs> people, I would, I would love it if people thought I was 50. But no, he, you know, like thinning hair, grayish hair, like a little chin goatee, diamond earring, like a diamond stud earring. That, that was the first thing that threw me off. Like he, he did not, like he didn't look like a guy who was like a wigger grown up. Because there's certain guys where if you met him, like... You're like, oh, that guy was a wigger 20 years ago. This guy wasn't that. Like, this guy having a just one single diamond stud earring was just really out of place. And it, that wasn't what made me think he was on drugs. It was just, the second he started talking, I was like, this guy's on something, but I don't know what it is. Like, I know, I know drugs, but I couldn't tell exactly what it was. He just talked really fast and kind of slurred his words. But my first thought was like, oh, this guy's on coke or something. He was talking so fast that I thought he was on coke or some kind of upper, but he didn't engage with people. He wasn't like somebody on coke or Adderall who engages with people when he talks fast. He was actually very introverted, but it was evident that he was on something. And then sure enough, like 
couple weeks into work, like he was nodding off every single day. He would just be sitting. He did it standing up. Because there's this uh, 50-year-old black guy who works for us, who I love. And one day he came over and he goes, Eric, I think he's sleeping standing up. Looks like he's sleeping. And sure enough, he was just like standing there with his eyes closed, like totally nodding off. And then almost every day the guy was nodding off like in his chair. He'd be sitting at the computer because what he would do, like he wasn't really doing anything managerial. Like from the very start, I was basically because part of my previous job with this company was as the administrative assistant was like I, I would fill in as the assistant manager. Like if the manager wasn't there, I was the number two guy in the store. But I was basically doing like I was opening and closing the store every day, counting the till. I was the person people were going to with things. I didn't have any problem with him. Like he snapped at me one time, which was weird. Other than that, he was, he really, he showed me a lot of respect and he didn't like act like he was my boss or anything. But there was one time where like I made a suggestion that anybody in their right mind would think was a very reasonable suggestion. And he goes, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? He just like snapped. And I was like, wow, that was interesting. That man just snapped at me. Other than that, though, he was, he was nice to me. I didn't have a problem with him. It was just evident. He wasn't really there. Like, he would just, he would sit at this computer and just scroll through furniture catalogs. And there's no reason to do that. Because, like, we don't do the ordering. Like, it's good to be familiar with the product and stuff. But there's no, like, if you're the manager, there's no reason just to say, hey, hey, no, no. There's no reason to just sit there and scroll endlessly through furniture catalogs. And he would do it almost like he was, like, not even all there. But then he would fall asleep doing that. And, like, one time he nodded off. And I was watching him, and he nodded off. But it wasn't like someone who was really tired and would fall asleep. It was a nod. It was, it was a nod off. Like, I, I believe he was probably on opiates. I believe, I believe he was probably on opiates. But he, was, he had nodded off. But he was, his finger was still scrolling. So his eyes were closed and he was sort of like out. He was like fading out. He was, he was unconscious. But he was, his hand was still scrolling. <coughs> hey, hey, no, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. Um, so that was weird. But he was doing this every day. And eventually, like, people started reporting it to the, re the regional manager and uh, he got—he just got fired. I, I went in one day, and they were like, "Oh, he got fired the other day." And then they—they they asked me to do it, and I—I I really love the people I work with, so I was like, "Sure." Means like more money, more responsibility, and and two, it's like I'm just at a point in my life where it's like I don't have a problem. Like I have a boss and everything. I have a couple bosses, and they treat me well. But uh, like I'm at a point where like in in my immediate like daily environment like. I'm cool with, with answering to somebody and, and respectful of that. But I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, I don't, I'd rather just be the boss. I'd rather just be the boss. I'd rather just be the boss. And like people at work, you know, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but like everybody who worked there was like, when that guy got fired, they didn't immediately select somebody. They waited like a week, week and a half. And I was just doing his job at that point. Hey, we don't need to do that. No, hey, hey, no, no. Um, but uh, I was just doing his job. And, like, people kept coming to me being like, 
why don't they just make you the manager? And I was like, you know, I'd, I, w- I would do that. I wasn't looking to do it, but it made sense. Like when they when they told me like, hey, you want to be the manager? I was like, yeah, makes sense. But uh, you know, it's it's a lot of responsibility. But that's what I want. Like I don't want to, I don't want to do a job where I don't have a lot of responsibility. Like I want to, I want to, you know, I mean, it's handling like a lot of money managing some finances and stuff and I, I was actually the most terrifying thing about it was like oh god like I don't think of myself as a math person but I've like fallen right into it like I I like it I like business I, I found that I actually like just kind of like that it's, it's not that once you start doing it it's not that hard like I've never had a, a job that really has like a, a strong financial component now that I'm doing it, I'm just like, yeah, I like this. Um, but uh, anyway, what, where else am I going with this? I'm just talking about work. Never in my life have I been someone who likes to talk about work, and now I just love it. But as you'd expect, like being a manager, like there's been all kinds of shit already. I got promoted officially to manager a week and a half ago. I've already fired somebody. A girl, like one of my favorite people, quit very abruptly for things that were outside of my control. Really sweet, wonderful girl uh, who worked directly for me, but she quit because of some other issues she had with the company. Just the way some things were going down. I'm not going to go into detail, but uh she, she was just like a, an absolute sweetheart. But then like one day she told me and this other guy, she had shot her ex-fiance years ago. He was a cop and he was like telling her he was like working a lot, but he was actually having an affair with another woman. And the, the weirdest part of all is she said that he set up like a, like a secret Instagram account for him and his mistress. And he would take picture. This is her words. He would take pictures of her boobs and ass and post them on Instagram as well as like lovey photos of him and his mistress. And so she she said that like one day he came home and she made him his favorite dinner and then she just pulled his gun out and like pointed it at him and said, is it true? Are you seeing this other woman? And he lied and said no. She had seen the Instagram account and so she shot him in the leg and even though he was a cop, he didn't go to the cops. He just like went to the ER. But then she said that she's her other. She has. She said she's never been married, but she's had like a couple ex fiancés. And her other ex fiance, she said she stabbed him twenty times, not twenty times in one incident. She said twenty different incidents. She stabbed him. And, uh, but I mean, these are. She's an islander. Pacific Islander and it's very tribal it's very like handle your own business and so like finding out she had like shot somebody and stabbed somebody many times I was like wow that's a twist because I would have thought she was the most naive innocent person in the world and I think I think you can be a very naive and innocent person but also shoot and stab someone because I don't think it negates the way she comes across but uh she quit. And, and weirdly, I feel very guilty about it, but like 
She gave me a $50 gift certificate to a restaurant when she quit. And I'm like, you didn't have to do that. Because she was really happy about my promotion and everything, but like some other issues that were going on upset her. And I, I had her back and everything, but I don't know. Like knowing though that she like shot and stabbed her two ex-fiancés, it did make me wonder like maybe maybe she doesn't handle problems very well. I don't know. I, I loved her. I, I'm, I'm really sad she left. And it was funny though, it was like two days earlier, like we sold a chair, a, a reclining, a recliner to a guy and he was like sitting there buying it. Mexican guy, probably in his late forties, his neck was covered in tattoos and he's like, yeah, I, I just got out of prison. I served 22 years. And someone goes, what for? And he goes, murder. Very nonchalant. Obviously a gang member. Yeah, he just like very very nonchalantly told us, yeah, I served 22 years for murder. And then uh, our warehouse guy was gone, so I had to go out back and carry, I had to help him carry his recliner and put it in his truck. And like, I don't think about those things like as they're happening. But after the fact, I was like, yeah, you know, I carried a chair with a murderer. You know, you might do that. You know, that might happen, but very rarely do you know someone's a murderer. And he and he seemed like it. He, he he was polite and nice and everything. He was. I could tell he was an actual gangster. I could tell like he was an actual hardened criminal because he had nothing to prove. But you could tell. I mean, like you. Could, he just he had he had the look and the feeling. He was obviously a Mexican gang member. The person he killed, it was probably gang-related or something, but I was just like, wow, yeah, I, just, I helped a, a murderer carry a chair to, today, and then I find out that this sweet girl who works for me shot her ex-fiance, stabbed another ex-fiance. It was a wild couple of days as far as... And then this other girl who works for me, like, right... This is like the same, like, three-day window. She, like, came into work, and she's like, look at this article. And it was about a guy who was arrested after a SWAT team raided his house because he had committed an armed robbery. She goes, that's my brother. So I'm like, all these people, they, they all these people I'm interacting with, like a lot of violence, a lot of crime. But, uh, I had to fire a kid the other day. He, uh, he like helped open the store a, a month and a half ago. And then he called out sick to work th for three weeks straight. And at that point, like, decisions were being made. We just needed people. And uh, they didn't fire him. They were just like, let's wait and see what happens. And so he started working again, but it was evident he didn't want to work. He had painted nails. He painted his nails black. Whatever, you know. But uh, it was just evident. Like, then he started calling out sick again. He, he would leave early. He would call out sick the next day. He would come in. When he was there, he wasn't really working. He would take really long breaks. Just and so they, it was decided to fire him. And like I called him, but he didn't answer. And I just, I left a voicemail, and I was just like, "Hey, I'm just letting you know we're gonna have to let you go. I appreciate you helping open the store. You know, it's too bad, but we just need somebody who's more reliable." The truth, like I'm not an asshole. I take no pleasure in firing somebody. But I didn't actually talk to him. I just left a voicemail because I didn't know what else to do.
You know, people would say like, oh, you can't fire somebody through voicemail or whatever. Why not? We put his, his termination papers through. It was just evident. Like, it sets a bad example. Like, if you're going to have people like that and, like, you don't fire them, it sets a very bad example for everybody else because other people are going to start trying to get away with things. The people who do work hard, which there are many of, they see that and they're like, well, that guy makes the same amount of money I do. That guy keeps his job. Like, why do I work my ass off and he doesn't? You know, that, it, it gets into that sort of situation. But he apparently didn't get the message. Like, even though work, call, even though he, his cell phone would have shown that work called him and he got a voicemail, he obviously didn't check it or try calling back because he tried coming into work the next day. And I was in the back office counting money to go to the bank to do the deposits. And I had money spread out all over the table. And that door, like, it doesn't have a handle on it. So, like, it's really hard to get back into. It locks by its... If you close it, it automatically locks and there's no handle. So you have to, like, get a screwdriver out or, a, or like, pliers and, like, reach inside in into the internal part of the door. And, like... So I was just like, ah. And so this this wonderful guy who works for us came and knocked on the door and he's like, yeah, that guy we just fired, like he's here working. He just clocked in. And I was like, I, I can't really go out there. Like I have all this money out and I, it's hard to get back in here if I close the door. I can't just leave the door open with thousands of dollars on the table. I was like, I hate to do this to you, but can you just tell him he's fired? Because we already fired him, but can you just, can you break the news to him since he apparently doesn't know? And so this really just just wonderful, like kind, passive kid who works for us, he has kind of a lead position. He's not a manager, but we've we've kind of made him a lead. And I was like, can you just break the news to him? Like, and he did. He's like, hey, uh, I don't know if you heard, but you're fired. And the the kid was like, well, can I can I still get paid for the fifteen minutes that I was here today? But, uh, you know, I've had to fire people before at jobs and it's, it's not fun. Like if you take pleasure in firing people, you're really fucked up and sick, but you, you gotta, you gotta do it at some point. And so this kid, he's like 24 years old. I made him, you know, we fired him, but like I made him break the news to the kid. And after he did it, I was like, well, you made your bones, you know, you, Basically, you made your bones. You, that's the first person you've ever fired. I haven't fired. I fired maybe like one or two people in my life before that. Again, it's not something you take any pleasure in, but it's like if someone needs to be fired, you just got to do it. And uh, he he was he said to me, he's like, oh, man, like I'm gonna be thinking about that all day. Like obviously, it had an impact on him. Like it was hard for him to to fire somebody. But then he came to me later in the day, and, and he was like, you know, it doesn't even feel like that happened. He was just like, eh. you know, I was like, yeah, you made your bones and now it's over. But, uh, yeah, so it's been eventful anyway, just a lot of work talk, but I guess the last, the last work talk I'll do is like last night we had a little company party and we had it in the store after hours and the regional manager bought like, he bought like a handle of gray goose. He bought a handle of Grey Goose. All these expensive liquors. He bought some liquor that, like, somebody told me it 
at a bar, it's like $50 a shot. And I don't drink anymore. So I did what I usually do. It's been a while since I don't, I haven't been to a bar in a long time with anybody. But ever since I quit drinking like five and a half years ago, if I'm with people who are drinking or if they're doing shots or something, I'll have a taste. And by that, I don't mean, I don't mean that I have like half a shot. I mean, I literally just get a taste. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a ritual, but I started doing it immediately after I quit drinking. One, it was important for me to not be, to not like work my, like a lot of, you know, former alcoholics or alcoholics, whatever the fuck people are called, like they can't be around alcohol at all, or they have to be very careful because they'll revert back to drinking if they're around it. For me though, it's like, when I quit drinking, I immediately placed myself around it. I was like, I'm going to hit the ground running and like, I'm not going to be afraid of alcohol. I'm not going to be controlled by alcohol. So if I was out with people, like in the first like weeks after I quit drinking, I was like, I'm going to go to bars. I'm going to go to the same bars that I used to go to and get blackout drunk, but I'm not going to drink. And not only that, like if a friend gets like a glass of whiskey, I'm going to ask if I can have just a sip. And I, I don't mean like a big gulp. A big gulp. I'm talking about a, uh, a sip. Like just enough to taste it on my tongue. Which probably sounds weird to people. Like some, like, like you know, and I mean not, not everybody would want to or could do that. I mean there's some people where if they got the taste in their mouth, they might just start drinking again. And I totally respect that. It doesn't make you weak or anything like that. But just for me personally... As part of my own discipline, it was important for me to taste it. And on some sort of symbolic level, like one, it shows that it doesn't control me. I can be around it. I can have the taste on my tongue. And I don't keep asking for more sips. Just one little taste. But I also like the idea that if I'm with people who are drinking, it puts just a little bit in my blood. Not a, Hey, stop, guys. Stop, you guys. I just want to hang out here. Hey, stop. I just want to hang out. I'm just, I'm, I haven't done a show in a while and I, I just want to hang out. My friend's dog is still here, Lola. She's wonderful, but every time I do one of these, they, they start barking, which they never do. But I just, it's like I want to have that sip, like just to have a, if I'm with people who are drinking, I want to have just a little bit of what they have in their blood, in my blood. Not enough to feel. Not enough to affect me, but I did that last night. Like they all at, at the work party, they were all taking shots, and I was just like, pour just like a like a, you know, not even a centimeter into one of the glasses, and I'll do that. But you know, you got to see. I like that though because you it was it was a small group of people. It was like maybe eight people, and. Uh, it was partly to celebrate like one of the coworkers' birthdays. I mean, the weirdest thing of all, though, it's like I've you know, people who were born in the '90s don't phase me anymore. Like I, I do remember like at jobs I've worked where it's like someone's born in 1995, and you're like, oh my god, I was 10 years old in 1995. I feel old. Oh my god, you're born in 1995. I feel old. Like I remember having that feeling years ago. But like now, it's like if someone was born in the mid '90s, or I don't, it doesn't phase me. I'm just like, yeah, you're like 28 years old. If you're born in in 1995, you're 28 years old. 
It doesn't phase me, but this job is weird because I'm now working not just with Zoomers, but I'm working with people who were born in the 2000s. Like, there's a kid who works for us who's 18. He's still in high school. He's just like a, a cashier, stalker, and he uh, he's, he's like 18. And he was born in, I think, 2005. And there's some other people too. There's there's like three people. Like there there's a couple people who were born in like 2003. That is a little weird. Like and, and it's just gonna keep being that way. Like pretty soon I'm gonna be working with someone who was born in 2010. But it is it is crazy to me that like I'm a, on a day to day basis. I'm around coworkers who were born in like 2003 through 2005. Just a few of them. You know, there's also people who are like 50. Hey guys, don't please don't please don't please don't please don't. Um, but anyway, this girl turned 21, so they were kind of having a little get together for her, and uh, it was interesting because like we just locked the store doors and like people started drinking, and then uh, I was like, I asked the regional manager, like. I'm the manager of the store, but because it's a new store, the regional manager's spending a lot of time there. And I was like, well, if the door is locked, like, we can't go out and vape. Can we just vape in the store? And he was like, yeah. And then sure enough, though, like, you know, not very long into it, like, someone was like, I want to smoke weed. I want to smoke weed. So, like, we went outside, and, and we live in an age where... Everyone has vape cartridge weed pens. So we just smoke some weed. And I feel good about that. You know, like, I don't I don't want to smoke weed with coworkers. I don't think anybody should be smoking weed at work. But it was kind of nice just to smoke a little. I didn't even get high. I just took, like, a baby puff. I just kind of wanted to show, like, yeah, I'm your boss. But, like, I'll, I'll take a little baby puff of weed with you. It's legal, so it's like there's not even any, like, illegal aspect or, like, any ethical issue. It's just, like, people are drinking. People are getting drunk. Like, I might as well take a baby puff of weed. But, I mean, the whole reason I'm bringing up this this work party last night is is that it was supposed to be a potluck. It, it was a potluck. I don't know why I say it was supposed to be. But it was a potluck. So, like, some people made food and, like... The woman who was planning the potluck, probably 50-year-old Filipino woman. She's from the Philippines. Her husband is a white man who's like an ex-Navy SEAL. But a uh, wonderful lady. Like, I love this lady. Like, she and I run the store. And uh, I, I can count on her for everything. And she organized the potluck. And she was I was like, I don't cook. And she's like, you'll bring cake. And I was like, yeah, I'll bring cake. And so I went to the store the other night to get the cake, and I, I thought about being a, a cheap, I, I thought about being a tightwad. There was a moment where I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to be a tightwad, and I was like, I could buy one of the cheap cakes, 15 bucks. But then I saw, like, this is, this is grocery store cake. It wasn't like bakery cake or anything. It wasn't, you know, fancy, fancy, fancy cake, but I, I looked into the glass case. I peered into the glass case and I saw like a cho- it was called a chocolate drizzle cake. It's called a chocolate drizzle cake. Um and uh 
I bought the chocolate drizzle cake, which was like 26 bucks. Not a ton of money, but, you know, it, it was the, the, the fanciest cake they had. And so I brought, I brought the cake. And then when it came time to, like, sing happy birthday, the birthday girl, like, brought her friends. Like, nobody, like, one guy brought his wife. But other than, like, that, just the birthday girl brought, like, two of her friends, 21-year-olds. Other than that, it was just coworkers, and like they sang happy birthday and like the birthday girl's like best friend was like, oh, where we come from, like the tradition is that like we smash the birthday person's face into the cake. And it turned out there were two, two coworkers just had birthdays. So they did like one, two, three, and they smashed both of their faces into the cake. Like they ruined the cake. Like one half of the cake was completely, and this was a nice looking cake. This was like a a chocolate layered cake. Beautiful. It was a chocolate drizzle cake and it had like these little decorations on the top. It was really a good looking cake. I have to say, I picked out a good looking cake. But one half of it was, three fourths of it were smashed by faces. And I was like, that. That's really something. Like, I could feel myself being unhappy that that happened. Like, if I had known that somebody who doesn't even work with us was going to insist that faces get smashed into the cake, I would have bought the cheapest cake there. And it's not about money. It's just kind of the principle of it where it's like, I would have bought like a, a $9 cake at the, the bargain grocery store. If I knew that people were just going to smash their faces into it. But I, I didn't let myself get upset. But in my head, I was just like, it's kind of audacious. And it's another, it's a weird thing too. Cause like, mo- like more than one person there said it, it's like a tradition for them to smash the birthday girl or boy's face into the cake. And I was like, I know they do that at weddings. Like I know that like, when a bride and groom are trying to be funny, they like do, they do the thing where they like feed each other cake and then they smash, they like shove it in each other's faces, which is stupid. And then everybody in like the crowd is like, Oh, (laughs) look at that. The bride and groom are putting cake in each other's faces. Um, but I, I've never heard of like a birthday tradition. Like literally what they did is like the birthday boy and man, uh, the birthday boy and girl, like they, they like hovered over the cake and then their friends like shoved their faces in it. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. Obviously people do that as a joke. Like, you know, you hear about people like, like, smashing someone's face into a cake and stuff but it's like i brought a really nice cake and without asking like you just ruined it like half of the cake it just looked like mush and i thought about it i was like you know it's still edible like the girl had makeup on and stuff but it's, it's not like they have like the grossest faces in the world you could still eat that half of the cake but it's like you don't want to so basically, they, they took my, my $26 cake, and like one half of it was just de- destroyed. And then like 
a quarter of the other half was was smashed. And so basically, like, people are only going to want to eat a quarter of that cake. A quarter of the cake. But it was just a little weird to me. I'm just like, I wish I would have known that you were going to do that. I wish I was, I wish I would have known that like you were going to just smash my cake. Like, I don't know. Like imagine if somebody did that with somebody else's food, like the Filipino woman, she made some like Filipino dishes for the potluck. What if, what if you, you were like, oh, in, in my, our family tradition is when someone brings a, a nice Filipino dish, we smash our faces in it. Like, what if you did that with something else? Like, what if you did that with someone else's, the, the food someone else brought? I wasn't actually upset by it, but, like, I, I thought about it. I didn't like it. I was just kind of like, you know, I, I don't like that, like, I brought a cake and somebody who doesn't even work with us decided that it needs to be just smashed with people's faces. Enough about that. But still, I was just like, that's weird. It's weird that people just do things like that. And then I drove home, baddies in my face here, so I might be muffled, but, and then I drove home and like partway through the, the trip home, I realized that I had no headlights. So that was my night last night is that I brought a cho- a very nice, good looking chocolate drizzle cake to the work party, my offering to the potluck. Someone just decided that people's faces should just smash the cake and then i drove home as a a ghost ship on the freeway abnormally weaving in and out i got to be that person i got to be the the eclipse on the highway hey dogs how about if you don't fight how about if you don't fight hey how about if you don't fight i I just want to hang out don't you understand? I just, hey, I just want to. I just want to hang out. I just. I just want to hang out. This is really hard. Hey, I just want to hang out. You know what I'm doing? I'm just hanging out. I'm just hanging out. I just want to hang 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 out. I really do. I'm tired. I'm upset about my headlight situation. The screw. I'm upset about the birthday cake. I'm upset about the screw that just went missing in my car. I'm upset that I was the... No, you know what I was last night? The fact that I drove home with no headlights on at midnight. Because the party ended at midnight. And I became the thing I'm the most scared of. Which I think happens a lot. You become the thing that you're scared of most. And as I've said many times on this show, many times... I'm the, the scariest thing in the world to me is someone driving at night without headlights. And that was me last night. I was the scariest thing in the world. A guy who brought a cake to a party and saw it smashed in front of him. Saw it ruined. And then I drove home with my headlights off. But I feel alright. I feel good. I, I, I'm enjoying this like workaholic. Like uh, I'm enjoying working... 53 hours a week. I'm enjoying business. I'm, uh, you know, because all the, all the things come up. It's, it's all scripted, you know. It's, it's 
All of the sitcom drama that plays out in a retail store is exactly what you'd expect with its own unique twist. Shoplifters. Because we don't have, like, any loss prevention set up. We haven't installed security cameras. We're just winging it. And so, like, my first day as manager, I got radioed, and they're like, shoplifter, shoplifter. This guy, what you realize working in retail is, like, organized shoplifting. It's like, yeah, like, we expect, like, a few people here and there to, like, steal. It's it's built in. You know, you know that a certain number of things are going to get stolen. But organized shoplifting, like, husband and wife duos and things like that. People who, who do this all the time and have a system. And uh, there's this kid who, who works for me. Uh, he's like a short little Mexican kid. The hardest worker you'll ever meet. He's, he's the best kid in the world. He's a little soldier. And he let me know that this guy and his wife had stolen. He saw them steal earlier. And they were back. The husband was back. And so the store was almost empty. So I just like, I walked by the husband and I just said like, hi, how's it going? And he was like, oh, hi. And I was like, is there anything I can help you with? And he was like, no. Just it, People are, they're so suspicious. This is the thing about these shoplifters. They're, they're just, their body language, like you can recognize them the second they walk in the store. Their body language is different than everybody else. Like, they're not smooth. They telegraph their intentions. And so I, after, after I passed him, I just stood at the end of the aisle. I, I just stayed about 10 feet away from him with my arms crossed, like pretending not to be staring at him, but watching him. And then everywhere he went, the store was totally dead. I didn't have anything to do. So everywhere he went, there I was. And eventually he just... He tried to, like, throw me off. Like, he was trying to, like, he would pretend to go down one aisle, and then he would go down another. And then finally, he just walked straight up to me, and he was like, you're making me really uncomfortable. You're making me really uncomfortable, man. But it, but not like a real person would. Like, if I was being followed around a store, and I did nothing wrong, I would just be like, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? This guy, though, it was it was like he knew exactly why I was following him. Like, he, he had been seen stealing earlier. And I just wanted to see what would happen. Like, he didn't seem dangerous. He just seemed kind of sketchy. And then I just said, oh, I just played it really cool. I didn't tell him. I didn't admit that I was following him. I just kind of was like, oh. And what I said to him, he was like, why are you following me? And I said, oh, I thought you needed help finding something. I, I just thought you need some help. And then he was like, you're making me really uncomfortable. And then at one point, like, I was looking at, at, at some products. And then he came up and he stood right next to me. And I said, like, quite a selection we have, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, but, like, I don't know about some of the prices. Which is a funny thing. Like, oh, is it, he, he was basically telling me, like, that's why I'm stealing. And then he, like, and then I just played it cool. I just, I was like, yeah, we have this and this. And then he was like... I'm sorry about coming up to you earlier. I know you're just doing your job. I didn't, and I, I didn't even say a word back. And then he, he bought like a bottle of bleach and left. And, and then, but then while I was following him, he was texting his wife who had been, in, who they work in teams like that. And then when he was leaving, 
His wife like came up to the door and was like, what's going on? Why were you in there so long? It's just funny. But then like the next day we had the same thing with this, these different people. This time I picked my spots because like the next day it was this guy, shaved head, neck tattoo. Somebody had seen him steal a cart worth of stuff earlier and then he came back in and then like one of our employees spooked him. So he went out to the parking lot and he was just drinking like Crown Royal Cider, which I didn't even know existed, and like smoking. So I ended up calling the cops on him, but there was nothing they could do because he... This is the interesting thing. They had like a Jeep, like a Jeep, like a really beat up, dirty Jeep Cherokee. Like, and you could see like the back was filled with shit, like shit they had stolen. And then he was just sitting in the parking lot, like smoking and uh, drinking. And then... Shortly thereafter, like this nice car came and backed in next to him and him and his wife or girl, whatever, whoever the fuck his, his stealing partner was, his partner in, in thievery. And they got in this really nice car that pulled up and they left and they just left the, the, the Jeep there. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that they left the Jeep here all day. So I called a cop and there's nothing a cop can do though. Like there's really, the, the cops can't do anything about theft. And it's not even worth pursuing it. Because I talked to the cop for a while. But, uh... I don't know. I, it's... it's in, you gotta pick your spots. You can't... You gotta be careful who you confront and all that. But it is interesting, like, body language. Like, because that guy... The guy who ended up stealing a bunch of shit and, like, leaving his car behind and, like, getting in this nice car and leaving for a while. I saw him walk in the store and I immediately go, like, that guy's up to no good. And sure enough, like... When the kids who work for us came up to me and they're like, Eric, Eric, like this guy. I was like, let me guess. It's the bald guy with the neck tattoo. And it's like, of course, of course it was him. But on a positive note, like I am really enjoying working with young guys. Like these guys who were born in like 1999, 2003, like, some of them are slackers. Like, some of them are just... I don't, and I'm not even hard on those guys. Like, if a guy's, like, 18 or 20 years old and he, he, he hates being at work and he's not doing a good job, it's kind of irritating. But, like, they don't upset me. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is a kid. You know, this is, this is a kid. Like, this might be his first job. Of course he hates being here. Of course he's on his phone all the time. But then there's these other kids who are the same age who just are amazing. Like, they're just, they're like these little soldiers. They just, they work hard. Like, they feel really good about working hard. They show me a lot of respect. I, I show them a lot of appreciation. They'll do anything. They'll drop everything to help me with something. And, like, I let them know. And they, I don't know. Like, I, I really enjoy, like, work, like, I'm... To them, I'm old, you know? Like, I'm 37. Like, I still think of myself as... I mean, 37 is young and everything. But, like, to these kids who are, like, 20, 21, like... I'm just... I'm their boss, and I'm this 37-year-old. And it's just... It's a new dynamic, and I enjoy it. Because it's like, I do everything. Like, I'll... If I need to carry heavy shit, I'll do it. If I need to clean up, I do it. Like, I'll, I'll do everything. You know, I'll do what's needed. And it's like... People respect that. Like, that's why I, that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to take the promotion is just like, I enjoy working with these people. 
and uh, but I kind of enjoy that like you know I want to be respected and I want people to do I want people to do their jobs and work hard and everything but I enjoy like establishing a rapport with these young people these these zomers establishing a rapport with these kids who are born you know when I graduated high school and like the the little Mexican kid, he he's the most like he came to the work party for just like an hour last night, if that. He didn't want to be there, and the alcohol made him. He doesn't drink. His dad's an alcoholic, and he left early. And like he told me three times, he's like, Eric, don't let them drive. It's like don't let them drive. Like my dad got in an accident when he was drunk once. Like don't let them drive. And I was like, I won't. Like, I appreciate that. Like, I won't let him drive. And he came into work today. And he's like, did everyone get home safe? And I was like, they did. But he was, like, he's going to be working for us part-time in the near future. Which sucks, because, like, he's one of our best workers. And I would, you know, I would love to have him full-time. But he's going to go back to college and stuff. So he's going to work part-time. And, like, being, like, if, if you know, a cheesy boss or something, I was like, oh, we you can't go back to school. We need you. Jokingly. And I said to him, though, I was like, you know, you're going to be a boss. You're going to be someone's boss someday. And he, and he laughed. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. And I was like, hey, really, you are. Like, the way you are here, like, the way the way you work and carry yourself and everything, like, you're, you're going to be someone's boss. And, like, it feels really good to tell a kid that. Like, I'm, I'm not making a bigger deal out of it than it is. But, like, when you see this kid who does, like, everything right, and has an amazing attitude. He's fun to work with. I want to let that kid know, like, you're doing everything you should be doing to be successful. Like, you're you're doing everything that you should be doing. So just being able to say that to a kid and to mean it, just to be like, you're going to be someone's boss someday. It feels really good. And uh, I don't know. That, that's that's one of the most important things to me about like being in this environment. Because like I I've been people's boss at like offices before, and that's a different environment. Like being someone's boss in an office is a, is a totally different thing. Being a boss in like a retail store, you're just you're dealing with like a different side of life. You're dealing with you know it's just a different side of life, and. You know, it, it's more just like this is this is a job that like kids have. Like, there's there's more important jobs too, but there's you're also working with kids who just stock shelves, and some of them just just do it really. You know, they they just they just put it all in, and you know what you notice too is like those kids seem like happiest. Like, you would think, like the kids who are like working the hardest. Like, we have this idea that like oh, the kid who just like works his ass off and when we get a pallet of stuff he's the one who unloads 50% of it whereas like it takes 10 people 5 people to unload the other 50% like you would think like oh that kid's miserable because he just he works too hard it's the opposite like that kid is having like the most fun that kid like feels the best at the end of the day you know it's like putting it all in you end up a lot happier. Like the kids who like aren't working at all, like there's a kid who, the 18 year old, the kid who's the only one who's still in high school, 
Like, he goes to the bathroom and just sits on the toilet for, like, 50 minutes looking at his phone. And it's like, you're so much unhappier doing that. I don't say that to him. I, I'm just like, let him do what he wants, like, up to a point. But I'm like, you know, when you, like, when you... When you like leave, when you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing so you can go sit on the toilet for 50 minutes on your phone, like you're going to feel like shit. You know, you're going to feel shitty at the end of the day. And your day is going to suck more. The kid who's putting it all in, like he's having a great time. Like he's, he's, he's just, you know, he's in some sort of like state of Zen or something. Not everybody can do that. Like, not everybody's meant to do that. But still, it's interesting to see that. It's interesting to see, like, the people who take the most initiative and work the hardest are by far the happiest. And they get they get the most appreciation, too. Like, and I, I, I always make it a point to let them know. I always make it a point. Like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I really appreciate what you did. Because all people need is acknowledgement. That's something I've talked about on here for years. It's like... All people are really looking for, they don't need to be given an award. They don't need to be, they don't need to get treated like a celebrity. They just want to be acknowledged. Like they just, they, they as human beings want to be acknowledged. But beyond that, like when they do something good, they just want someone to say, I noticed that. I noticed it. I noticed it. They really do though. They, they really just want someone to be like, hey, I noticed that you did that. And that's how I feel. Like, the reason I know that is because that's how I am. Oh, hey, I did something. You noticed it. Thank you. Thank you for noticing that I did that. Same with, like, when someone relays information secondhand. Like, the best compliment you can ever receive is something somebody said about you to somebody else. And they tell you. It's like the other side of the coin is someone talking shit. Like everyone thinks about, you know, our, our negativity bias is so strong that like you talk shit about people, you find out somebody talks shit about you and it stings. It's worse than if they said it to your face. Like if behind your back you find out that somebody doesn't like you, it's worse than them telling you they don't like you. Because they, it's like, they really don't like you. But, like, nobody ever really thinks about the opposite of that, which is saying good things about somebody behind their back and meaning it. Like, not, it, this isn't some, like, phony positivity thing where it's like, you have to try to do that. Like, I do that all the time at work. And it gives back to people. Like, I'll say to somebody, like, I love that kid. Like, I, I just, like, there's two kids at work, like the little Mexican kid, and then we hired this little Filipino kid, and they team up, like, they, they do everything together, and the little Mexican kid trained the little Filipino kid, like, how to do his job, and they do everything together, they take their breaks together, they've become a duo, like, I, I just see them marching around the store, and they're always on task, it's always an adventure, like, they'll come up to me and tell me that, like, oh, hey, we were thinking about, like, rearranging this. Or, like, like it's a mess over there. 
we were thinking about fixing it like this. And I'm like, do that. And then I see them on a mission. Like they always look like they're on a mission and it's, and it's always a good mission. And, uh, and I'll say to people, I'm like, do you see, the, do you see those, you know, little, little soldiers over there, you know, like, look at them. Like, because it's it, it seriously, it's like one of those things that just, there was, there was like some weird drama going on with like upper management and just some things that like some people wouldn't know. Like I was in a position to know that, but like I, I looked over and I saw like some of those kids just working hard, like just like caring about their jobs. And I was like, doesn't matter what else is going on. Like my own, the only reason like I like, not the only reason I like being here, like the only reason like I truly want to be here is just to like, look at those guys, just really just like doing their part. And like, they feel appreciated and I do appreciate them. Like that's, that's ultimately all I want because that'll make me feel good about what I'm doing. So it, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's like, I've had, I've had these thoughts before, but being in an entirely different type of job than I've ever been in, being in a retail environment, a retail environment, uh, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, this is something, this is, this is something new to me. But anyway, I mean, I have, I have so much I could say, obviously. Every day, there's something new. And that, that is something I like. Like, speaking of being in retail, like, I never thought I would want to be in retail. I never thought I would want to be, like, in a store interacting with customers and, you know, dealing with, like, you know, people buying stuff that way. But one thing I really do like about it is, like, even though there's infighting, like, even though I know that, like, this person doesn't like this person and like not all the employees get along and like I have to deal with that and like this person's always a problem. This one, this one woman's always complaining and we don't trust her. We think she might have stolen. You know, it's, even though there's like you're dealing with that, what I do really like about a retail environment is like you have all these customers. Like I, I don't know how many people come in every day, but some days it's so many I can't believe it. And it's different from an office because like in an office environment, which is what I'm used to, it's the same people every day. Like it's the same people at their computers every day. And all of like the talk and all of like the interaction collapses inward. Like all of the drama of the day involves the same group of people and it's all about them. Whereas in this retail environment, it's about these other people who are coming in. These other people who, these strangers are coming in every day. And like we, it, it's, it's not us against them because we want these people to be there. We want these people to come in and feel good about buying stuff from us and all that. But it is kind of like us, not us against them, but it, it, it's us and them. Like we are, we are like a faction and we're on the same team and this, this army of people is coming in every day and we're doing, and they make a mess. Like what I have realized about being in retail is that people are just savages. They're just animals. And I don't mean, I love animals, so it's not an insult, but they're just savage. They make such a mess. They're, they're, they're primal. Like, people, there's people who try to get a deal. 
you know, we're already selling things very cheaply. Like the furniture, you know, people will drop $3,000. Someone will drop $1,000 on a new couch. So like, like I'm mainly on the furniture side most of the day because we, we are first and foremost a furniture business. Right now we're making more money on the other side, but still we're first and fo foremost a furniture business. Um, and what was I going to say about that? Well, first and foremost a furniture business. Um, but that, that's like a different sort of clientele. Like th those people though, like most of them are nice. Like a lot of them are very suspicious of the salespeople. They're like, oh, they're so pushy. Or like they're trying to get get one over on me. Like you always deal with those people who like come in with like a, an air of hostility. They're like, oh, I bet you guys, I bet you guys are going to rip us off on shipping, aren't you? Like those people who try to drive a hard bargain. How about if you give me 10% off of this? You know, you'll deal with those people. People who just come in with like a defensiveness or a, an air of hostility. But it's funny on the other side of the store because I manage the whole store. But I don't like occasionally like if someone's sick or on break, I'll have to run the cat. I'll have to be a cashier for like 20 minutes or an hour at the most. I couldn't do that all day. Um, but uh, there'll be like uh, customers though who come up where like on the liquidation side, like this is this is liquidation. So like they're already getting a really good deal on whatever they're buying, whether it's Legos or food, you know, like a, like a ceiling fan. We sell everything. So they're already getting a really good deal, like better than they would get at any like a, at Target or something. And it's, it's products too, like because the owner of our company, like if a Target catches on fire, you know, the way liquidation works, like if a store catches on fire, they have to like get rid of everything, even stuff that's in perfect condition. And so the owner of our company will buy out the entire store, for example. He'll buy all the products that were there. Most of them are in great condition, but then we sell them at like 60 or 70% of market value. So you're already getting a really good deal. But there's always those people who like feel like there's a, a scheme, who feel like you're, you, you're, you have an angle. And who think that like they can get one over on you, that they can they can like trick you into giving them a better deal. And those people are funny to me because I'm just in this state of Zen. Like when you deal with like a, you know, I, I hate the term Karen, but it's become just part of the language. And so like occasionally somebody from the merchandise side will come up to me and they'll be like, hey, we need you. Uh, there's a Karen. And, you know... I think working this job has kind of like made me rethink that term a little bit. Like I, I will never use it myself, but it is a pretty good, like, like when someone comes up to me and says, I mean, there was one day where like somebody just said into the radio, Karen, and it meant they needed me to come up and like put this woman in, in check. And, uh, and it's funny cause like the whole Karen thing started because of like a certain sort of middle-aged woman who asks for the manager and now I'm the manager. And so we had this woman the other day and like we were selling like two packs of paper towels for like, you know, some very reasonable price. 
and this woman like was trying to say, well, like the way that you, the way that the, uh, the end cap looked, it looked like you were selling an entire box of paper towels for that price. Like she was trying to get like four times the amount of paper towels for the same price that we were selling, like two packs, Tupac for the same price as Tupac. And, uh, she was just being manipulative and the cashier like didn't know what to tell her. He was just like, Oh, well that's the price. And then like this girl that I really like who I haven't talked about in this episode, but I, uh, she put in her two weeks cause she needs more money, but I, I love her. She's, she's really, she has a, she's funny, a, a lot of sass. She has a bad attitude, but it's a good attitude. But like she tried to tell this woman like, how it is. And so the woman starts talking to me and she's, she's so hostile. This is a woman who's going into a discount store, trying to get a, an even better deal on dirt cheap paper towels. And she is, she, she's going in there. She's so mean. She's so mean, just really mean and mad and mad in both senses of the word. Both mad as in angry and mad as in crazy. And I come up and, and I look like the manager. I walk like the manager. And I was like, so what's going on? And she's like, well, the and they, they had told me in advance. Like she keeps saying like, the way I was raised, companies honor what it says on the price tag. And then sure enough, I go up and she says the exact same thing to me. She goes, the way I was raised, a store is supposed to honor what's on the price tag. And I was like, well, that's not what it says. And she and I went over to it and I, I pointed out to her. I was like, see, it says two, uh, the price tag right there, the, the sign says packs of two. It doesn't say the whole box. And, like, some of the paper towels were still in, like, the cardboard box that, like, four different sets come in. And she was like, yeah, but, like, they're still in the box. So the sign makes you think that it's for all of them. Kind of some bullshit. And I was like, yeah, but if you read the sign, it says two. And she's like, the way I was raised. And I just said, no. No. You know, we're not going to sell it for what you're asking. We're not, we're not going to give you that. And she just shut down. She ended up buying paper towels at the normal price, but I just shut her down. And it was the first day that I was manager and it was, and she had, she had mocked one of my employees. She had done an impression of her. She was like, well, that girl came over to me and was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, this is a moment where like, I need to show the people who work under me that I have their back. Like, I'm not going to give this woman what she wants. One, she's wrong. Two, like she's being so obviously manipulative. And three, like if she was nice, I probably would have just said, cause I, I have the authority to like sell anything for whatever I want. I don't do that. Like most, most like basically like. If I wanted to give somebody a deal, I could. Like, I, I'm not supposed to just do that, but I have the authority to do that. And if this had been some nice old lady who was just confused, she was like, oh, 
I thought that it was a whole box for that price. I probably would have said, just give it to her. Because I've done that a couple of times. Like if somebody, if somebody's just like honest and nice and it's, it makes it, and it's the difference between like making the sale or not, I'll just say, sure. You know, we're going to make a profit on it anyway. Sure. You're, you're nice. Let's just, let's, let's do something nice for the nice person. But when someone's so blatantly hostile and manipulative, I'm just like, no, we're not going to, you're not going to get your way doing that. You know, we're not a store where you're going to get your way by lying and mocking one of my favorite employees to me. Because now you're trying to get one of my employees, like if I was an asshole manager who was pulling some kind of like customers always right thing, like, yeah, you have to keep customers happy. But if I was some kind of like asshole manager, her, her like telling me that one of my employees, and I hate to say my, but these people do answer to me. And, you know, you're trying to get her in trouble with me now. And if I was an asshole, like I would yell at her. So you're doing a bunch of bullshit. You're trying to like, you're basically trying to like manipulate us into giving you a deal on paper towels. You're trying to get like this employee in trouble with me. And I was just sitting there though, and I've talked about this on this show before, but when someone is just out of their mind, angry and having a meltdown, it's weird to just look at them. Cause like the mycelium effect of that, like the, the like psychokinetic response to that is for you to like feel anxious and like fight or flight. Like when someone's like yelling in your face, your instinct is to absorb that and to like start feeling, you know, feeling the way they feel. Like when someone's mad at you, you're supposed to be mad back. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you're supposed to be mad at them. But like when you, when you can just reach that balanced state where you're just looking at them thinking, this is surreal. It is surreal that this middle-aged woman who has lived this long is having a meltdown over paper towels and she thinks that I'm going to do what she wants because she's having this meltdown. And you just look at that and you stay stoic. You don't, I wasn't rude to her. I just held my ground, but I was just like looking at her and I didn't even feel like I was there. I I didn't even feel like I was in, in the same room or world room or world as her. I just kind of just watched her and I was just like, this woman is living in a different world than me. She's, she went to the discount store where most people who come in are like, Oh, this is amazing. I can get Legos for 50% of the price. You know, like most people are, are excited. Like most of the people who come in our store, like they look around and they're like, Oh, because the stock changes every day. Clearly I'm a company man now, but it's like most people come in and they're just kind of excited. They're like, Oh wow, I can get all this stuff I want. I can buy a bunch of toys for my kids. I can buy a bunch of snacks. I can buy a ceiling fan. I can, I can buy weights for way less than I would anywhere else. And they're just kind of like, wow, will you look at that? And then you get this woman who comes in who's just disturbed. And uh, 
those people, of course, get all the attention. Like the nice people don't really get any attention. The nightmare always gets more attention than the good dream, you know. But I love it. I could talk about it every day if I had the time. This could just become a, a retail podcast. And I'm going to go ahead and close this out because I can't shut up about it. But uh, I, I got to get my headlights fixed. And next time I try to buy a cake for a work party, I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy the most expensive one. Because someone might get their face smashed into it because that's somebody's tradition. Our family tradition is that we smash someone's face into the cake without even thinking about the person who bought it and how they feel about that. It's okay though. I'm not I'm not mad about it. I was just watching it play out and I was like, they're not even thinking about me. They're not even thinking about my feelings here. But it's not about my feelings. Because it's kind of like giving money to a homeless person. Like if you give money to a homeless person and they turn around and buy crack, you can't be upset. You know, as I've said before, I, I didn't create this. It's a Buddhist idea. It's just a life idea. But enlightenment is in the exchange. When you give somebody something, you're not enlightened. They're not enlightened. The enlightenment is the exchange. The enlightenment is the action of giving them that. And they could turn around and throw it in a dumpster. They could turn around and quote-unquote re-gift it. I hate that term gifting. Re-gifting. I hate that. But uh, the enlightenment is in the giving them something. It's not you. It's not them. It's the exchange between you. That is the currency. That is the current. And uh, it's the same thing when you bring a cake to a work party. The enlightenment isn't in me bringing the cake it's not in them smashing someone's face into the cake maybe that's enlightenment i don't know but it's like giving money to a homeless person where like you're releasing control like you're letting go of your money and giving it to somebody else and that's what it's all about you're giving them that thing it doesn't matter what they buy with it it doesn't matter what someone does with the cake after you give it to them The whole point is that you gave him the cake. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free